You guys see me up here. Obviously, Pastor Tim is not here this week. Uh, he's at a, a conference this this weekend. So he asked the staff, he's like, hey, who wants to speak? Um, and I was like, not me. And uh, for those of you that know me, you know that I don't love to speak. But uh, then the Lord said, hey, you should speak. And I was like, ah, fine. Um, so here we are. Um, I kind of want to go into today and echo a lot of the things that Dean, Dean was talking about um, and talk about repentance a little bit, but also I'm going to go into some other things. Uh, so, so let's, let's do it. Uh, let's pray real quick. Father, I pray right now that you would use me, use my words through your Holy Spirit that I can say what you want me to say. And I pray that you would just help all of us to learn something and to, uh, to hear your heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. And help, help. So, uh, Pastor Tim's been doing a series on parables, and I kind of stole the best one. I'm not going to lie. I I stole the best one. I'll get into that here in a few minutes. But I just want to echo some of the things Dean was talking about with repentance. Um, Acts, Acts 3.19, this, this is such a, I, it's funny because I didn't even know he had this verse in there and I used it too, but it's great that he pointed out that at times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So we, re, we repent, turn to God, so our sins are wiped out, wiped out. And that's not like kind of wiped out. You know, they're still kind of there. It's like when you erase something with a pencil and it's still kind of there. No, 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 it's gone. Uh, I love that. Um, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for repentance, uh, and I'm not even going to pronounce it for you guys, it's, you can look it up, uh, that's where we get the idea of the turning, of the, we do a 180 and we turn away from sin, but what I want to reiterate is that it's not just a turning away from sin, but it's a turning toward God and walking in his ways. Um, we leave our way behind and we walk in his way. Um, and so then the, the, the Greek word that they use, um, What's cool about that is when I did a little research, it's exactly what Dean said. It's a change of mind, thought, or thinking. But there's this connotation in it that it's so it's it's a change that's so powerful that it changes your way of life. And that's I think what we need to grab onto is that it literally changes your life. Um, and so we'll talk a little bit more about this when we talk about the parable. But um, I also one of the things that man. The Lord has been talking to me and working with me, and I've been seeing some of these things in my own life and in others, um, is, is just the concept of priorities. Like, what are your priorities in life? Um, I thought it was interesting that last week, uh, Rebecca Klein from A Woman's Choice, she talked about uh, when, when bad things are happening, when things are happening in your life, things, crazy things happen, where is God? But then she went into, well, where are you? Where am I? Like, what's going on in our life? Um, and so I, that was a, a kind of a, a great segue into, well, what are my priorities? What is, is, is the Lord my priority? Is what he loves? Is what he wants my priority? Um, and I would say that this is a good reminder to us, this message. Some of you are doing great. Your, your priority is, is the Lord and it shows. Um, but then there's people like me that maybe that's not quite so true. So I'm talking to myself today too, guys, just so you know. Um, but the Lord has been highlighting this to me and I see it, uh, I see it as sometimes it's, it's not intentional. Like we don't lose God as our priority intentionally. We, sometimes we tend to just let the tyranny of the urgent get to us. And so it's like those day-to-day things kind of just steal and they slowly just steal, steal away that time with God. Um, and so we're not thinking about him. We're not, we're not worried about what he's worried about. Um, but then there's times when it's intentional and we just decide to choose 
other things. Uh, and that's when we make ourselves the priority, and I think that's the most dangerous place to be. Um, I apologize if I get a little emotional. I get this way when I talk. Uh, my wife does too, in your, in your face, Lacey. Um, I get it from my dad. My dad's a softy, and I'm not normally a softy, but when I speak, I, I just cry. So I may cry the entire time, just, just so you know. Um, so priorities. So I... I like that Dean said that this is a repentance is a, is a thing that you do. It's not just like you repent once and you're done. Repentance is a thing you walk through and you do continually. And I, I truly believe that the same way when we make God our priority, it's a, it's a daily choice. It's something we decide whether you do it in the morning, whatever it may be, you have to decide I'm going to put God first today and make him my priority, my relationship with him, my priority and what he loves my priority. Uh, Matthew 6.33, these are, these are verses that we all know, but I just want to point them out. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these, things that, all these things will be given to you as well. His kingdom, his righteousness. Not your kingdom, or seeking after your own righteousness. His. And he says this right after he talks about, hey, don't worry about what you're going to eat, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about those things. And that's things that I worry about. I worry about what I'm going to eat, I'll be honest. I think about it all day. <laughs> um, if you know me well, you know that I'm always thinking about food. But don't worry about that, okay? Seek first his kingdom. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. I think it's important that we see there that it says in all your ways because sometimes we're obedient to God and we we're, he's our priority in our, in our finances, or he's our priority at our job, or at home, or with our kids. But he wants all of it, in all your ways, submit to him. Okay. So we see that this is important, this is a daily thing. Uh, Pastor Tim's been in this parable series, and he's, he's had some good ones, but I, I told you, I stole the best one. Uh, Luke 15 Jesus talks about the lost sheep and then the lost coin, and then he talks about the lost son. And we know the prodigal son. We know that story. That's the story I'm using today. Um, and I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to read the whole thing, so don't get bored. But it's really long. It's got a lot of meat. But I, what I want you to do is, as I read it, I want you to, to keep in your mind these concepts of repentance and priority and where they are with each of the characters. Let's start. Uh, Luke 15. It's verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, 
His, fa- his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. Meanwhile, this is important. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. That part always gets me, man. Like I said, this parable has a ton of meat in it. You could probably spend weeks on this, uh, but I want to focus on those two things, repentance and priority. I make the claim all the time when I talk about this parable that it's more about the older son than it is about the younger son. But I can tell that it's, it's really about both of them. It's just, it affects me more when I hear about the older son. Uh, some of us identify with the younger son. And, and, you know, we've, part of our life, we've squandered, squandered our time, our money, our lives chasing after things of this world. Um, and we now know those things can't satisfy. His priorities were out of order. The son didn't want to be with the father. He wanted to do his own thing. His priorities were out of order. But he hits rock bottom one day when he's longing to eat. Well, in verse 16, it says, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever seen pigs eat. Does anyone raise hands? Have you ever? Nice. Yes, a couple. It is one of the grossest things I've ever seen in my life. I used to work at a summer camp uh, that was for youth and kids and middle school. And um, I, I wasn't a counselor or like rec- recreation. I, I didn't have those fun jobs. I would clean up. I would uh, do the yard work. And we would slop the hogs, as they call it. So the, the guy that ran this camp had, f- at any time, 40 or 50 of these hogs out there. So we would take all the food. It was genius. He would have us take all the food that the kids didn't eat. Because you know kids, when they're at camp, they're not going to eat a ton of food normally. Um, these, we'd have these big garbage cans full of like spaghetti and hamburgers, sausage, pancakes, and bacon. Uh, pigs love bacon. <laughs> so that's gross in and of itself right there. They love it. It's the weirdest thing. And ketchup packets. It's strange. I don't know. Yeah. So we would take these big garbage cans full, we'd put them on a pickup truck, and we'd go and we'd dump them over the fence right into the trough. It is so gross. These pigs will sit in it. They'll sit in it while they're eating, and they will go to the bathroom in it while they're eating. 
Guys, it is so disgusting. But that, that shows me that this guy is at the bottom when he's looking at this stuff that these pigs are eating and he's saying, I want to eat that because I have nothing else. He sees the need for repentance. Now, I pray that we don't get to that point, honestly, because that, it's, wow. Um, let's make the choice daily so we don't go there. Trust me. Um, so he saw the need, though. He needed to repent. He had to change his way of life. Like, he, like it hit him. Like, let's do this. And it's funny because you see here, he's literally practicing in his head what he's going to say to his dad. And we've all done that. We all like practice, like, I'm going to say it like this and this. Uh, he says in verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against you and against, against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He just wants to go back and work and just do whatever he can. He doesn't want to be where he's at anymore. This is a, a shift in his, in his life. And I'm so thankful that we serve a God that is like the Father. Verse 20 says, The Father responded, but while he was still a long way off. And Bill Breidenbach pointed out to me first service, this is the only mention uh, in, in, in the scripture of God rushing. It says that, because we know this is the Father is God. It says he ran to meet him. Man, he gave the son his robe, his best robe, and his ring, and his sandals. And then he ordered the servants to kill the fatted calf. This is a special thing. On top of everything he had already given him, half of his, his, his estate, he gives him all of this. The father met him, ran to him where he was at. Now, now we talk about the older brother. I can identify with the older brother. I, I, have, I have had these same thoughts, but the scary part is that sometimes we are like the older brother and we don't even realize it. And it's this, uh, it's, he's like the religious person who, who's slaving, works, he's doing works and living right, but he doesn't even have relationship with the father. He doesn't know the father's heart. If he knew the father, he would understand completely why he's doing this for the younger son. But he puts himself first. He's worried about his inheritance. And he's like, it makes me think of the Pharisees. The Pharisees had all this biblical knowledge. They knew it. They could quote it to Jesus backwards and forwards. And yet they don't know the Father. In verse 29, the Father goes to plead with him, but the Son answers. He answered his Father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. That's what, that's what the relationship was to him. It was orders and following orders. It wasn't his dad's heart. His priorities were out of order. Again, I'm so thankful that God is like the father in this situation. Because he reminds him, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. What a statement. He's worried about a young goat, and yet he's not realizing that everything is his. We cannot let religion replace relationship. You can't let religion replace relationship. Relationship with God has to be your priority. It has to. So what I love about this story, too, is that he uses this concept of inheritance. 
it's a perfect, perfect concept because in Romans 8, 17, it tells us that we are joint heirs with Christ. We share in his suffering now, but we will share in his glory, his glory. That's the gift we get. Our inheritance is the kingdom. I want you guys to realize that. We will receive an inheritance. But it's not about works. It's not about, I've slaved away for you and I've done all your orders. It's about relationship. So as we, as we get closer with the Lord and we have relationship with him, the thing that we have to realize is what is God's priority. All these parables show his priority. The, the coin, the sheep, the son. God wants relationship with us, and he wants relationship with the lost. He wants the lost to come into relationship with him. In Luke 5, 31 and 32, Jesus says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So he wants relationship with all of us. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, I needed that. Um, that's his priority. Relationship with us. Relationship with the lost. And then everything follows. So then when people, so they ask Jesus what the greatest commandment is, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we know that love, I love that Dean mentioned that, it's about love. But then when, given the great, when he's given the great commission, what does Jesus say? He, he, he says, go and make disciples. So I see it as love is the goal. Like love is what we should be. We should try to be like him and he is love. But the strategy is discipleship. The strategy is discipleship. People that accept Jesus into their lives and they don't have someone to disciple them, it's, it's almost like an uphill battle. And it's, it's tough because I don't know if any of you have ever been at a job, maybe you started a new job and you were supposed to go through training and maybe the training wasn't good enough or you, whatever. I used to work for T-Mobile, which I think half of our church has worked for T-Mobile at one point or another. But when they did our training, it was, it was not enough. Like we were not ready. They, we felt like they were throwing us to the wolves. And people that get saved and don't have someone to disciple them can feel like that. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. And I know a lot of them make it. Like, they, they're very zealous when you get saved. A lot of times you're zealous and you, you love the Lord and you, and you make it. But there's those people that have to have discipleship. And so I think that's why he uses that strategy because he knows we can't do it on our own sometimes. Um, our main priority is relationship with God. But then because of that, his priority becomes our priority, right? So making disciples, that's a natural outgrowth of our relationship with him. And I said earlier, it's a daily choice. Your relationship with God, you, no one else can do your relationship with God. You can't base it off of other people. You can't, uh, you can't piggyback off of somebody. It's gotta be you. And so it's you reading, your, reading the word. It's you praying to the Lord. It's you um, being obedient to the Holy Spirit. And that, that's a daily thing. It's a daily thing. We call them spiritual disciplines, but it's something that you've got to do. And discipline is not a bad word here. It's something that you, you need in your life. And you're building that. You're building that relationship with the Lord through, that, through, through those things. Um, and I'm, I'm telling you, as you do this, as you become more disciplined in what the Lord is doing with you, you see the fruit. It changes your life. It literally changes your life. 
just like we talked about with, with repentance, it, it's, a, it's a life change. And as he does that in you and he begins to, he still works in you. That's why it's an everyday thing. It's happening every day. So I know that uh, discipleship can sometimes seem daunting. Uh, it does to me sometimes. It's hard, where do we start? What do I do? Uh, maybe this person doesn't even want to listen to me. That, okay. He commands us to do it. He wants us to do it. Um, so many of you already know what to do, what to say, and you, you don't may not realize it. Um, an easier way for me to look at it, and this is kind of how we share it with our leaders here at the church, is we're looking for, I'm looking for my next step in my walk with the Lord. I'm never, I'm never going to arrive. There's always something else he's got for me. And so I'm always looking for my next step. And so if I can help someone else do that, it's huge. Because sometimes we need someone to help us. We believe in this as a church. And it's, um, it's important to the Lord, so it should be important to us. Because if our priorities are in balance, his priorities are our priorities. And it are, it's cool because our church gives a lot of outlets for this. You know, we have connect groups, we have mentorship groups. There's ways to do this, but a lot of times it's one-on-one is what's needed. And that's the thing that I think sometimes we lack is we, we're scared to do that one-on-one. Um, and sometimes it just takes being obedient to the Holy Spirit and talking to someone. Um, that's the tough part. We've got to be obedient. So to kind of sum this up, I'm not talking about like you should neglect your family, you should neglect your spouse, you should neglect your work, your, your church, whatever it may be. But when your relationship with the Lord and his, his priorities are your priority, then this stuff follows. Seek first the kingdom and everything else follows. I'm echoing what Jesus said. Seek him first. Everything else follows. This is a kingdom principle, discipleship. Um, I just want to encourage you guys. This is a reminder to me too. It's something that I need in my life that I have to be obedient with. And so if everybody uh, could close your eyes, Rich, would you come? See here, there he is. Um, as we read that, that parable, we saw these things in it. We know that repentance is a daily thing making the choice to have God and your relationship with him be your priority. That's an everyday thing. I know that um, some, sometimes it's difficult. But like Dean was talking about, we, the, the Holy Spirit is there for us and he's the one who helps us with this.